morning, as we gather this morning, it is the month of September, and we're going to be kick off a new series called Divine Interruptions. As we do that, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love for us. We thank you that this grace and love you pour out upon us freely in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us and grow us in this love. Lord, especially as we gather here, as we gather around your word and your gifts, that you would strengthen and nourish us in our faith, that your love, Lord, shapes our identity, our understanding of who we are, but also, Lord, how we live in relationship to you and to everyone else. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Divine interruptions. Well, let's start this morning with a question. I like to start with questions, kind of get, you know, the brain juices flowing just a little bit. And the question is this. When is a time when someone or something interrupted your plans? Now, maybe already you have something fresh in your head from this morning. But we all have had those moments, and some of you are chuckling and looking at each other when someone or something interrupted your plans. You know, it'd be easy for me to get up here and talk about one of my favorite pet peeves, the roundabout. It's really not the roundabout. It's the people who are in front of me at the roundabout, usually, that are a pet peeve, you know, because they disrupt my plans, which often are in a hurry. But I'm not going to talk about the roundabout today. <laughs> I want to go a little further back in, in, in my life, you know, and it was when I first came to Nebraska, you know, well, not the first day, but the first, you know, year that I was in Nebraska, Platt Center, Nebraska, just north of Columbus, you know, young pastor, you know, kind of lording the ropes. It had been a, just a busy, busy day. It had been a busy week, chaotic week, one of those days, one of those weeks when, you know what, when you were looking forward to that one moment when you could do what? Just like relax. And I had been waiting all week long because we had this beautifully marbled ribeye steaks that we were going to have for dinner. And I got the kettle grill going, you know, and, and I had put smoke, you know, chips in there so it was smoking this beautiful aroma of wood and I put the steaks on there and they're just sizzled and seared and just sat down, you know, this beautiful smell and, and it just, just, oh, it's going to taste so good. This, this beautiful ribeye steak and potato and, and some vegetables and a salad. And, you know, it's just ready to sit down and you get that first bite. And, and I hear. And you just. Ah. And I grumble a little bit. And then I realized I get up, you know, and go to the door that my front door was open. The screen door was, you know, was closed. And that the member of the congregation was knocking on the door heard me go, Oh, come on! Do you ever have one of those moments when somebody or something just interrupted your plans? And whether it's when you were just about to take a bite of food or just about to climb, you know, into a nice warm bath or, or take a nap or you're at the roundabout, whatever it is, we all have those moments when someone or something interrupts what we would expect our next moments to be. That's what we're going to explore here over the next several weeks those interruptions in life, and how sometimes those interruptions in life become a divine moment. And that's exactly what we see unfold here in these words of Matthew's gospel that tell us about this event that unfolds in the life of Jesus and his disciples and, and the crowds gathered around him. 
Let's read here Matthew 14, verse 14. We read it together. He had compassion on them and cured their sick people. Now, there's, there's a bit of a backstory here. So let's kind of, you know, take a look at what happened before this. Before this, Matthew 14, you know, begins by telling us about this guy named John the Baptist or the Baptizer. Some of you may know John the Baptist, the Baptizer, the guy that wore camel hair, ate locusts and wild honey, said, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. Look, behold, when he pointed at Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this guy, you know, this bold, you know, this preacher was also known for calling people out. He called out this guy named Herod, who was kind of the king of the area, for fooling around in the many ways that he fooled around his king, you know, with his brother's wife, and he messed around. And so Herod got tired of hearing this, so Herod had John thrown into prison. And one of the times as John was in prison, you know, he had somebody do a dance for him, his, you know, stepdaughter, do Needs to do this dance, and, and he was so enthralled by this dance, he said, hey, whatever you want, tell me, anything, it's yours. And, of course, her mother said, ask the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And she's like, okay, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And Herod's like, oh, do you ever say something, offer something, and realize you opened your mouth up to something more than what you expected? You know, Herod was not expecting to kill John the Baptist because he was considered a prophet, you know, and he feared how people may respond, let alone if he was a prophet, how God may respond. But he made this public promise, and so he follows through with that. And they bring the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, John the Baptist, you know, not only said, hey, behold, there's Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was also Jesus' cousin. And so it's at this moment, in the first verse we have this, that Jesus now, and if you ever lost someone, you know, that you love, someone you cared about, you know, even if you lose your, your dog, you know, sometimes you just need that moment just to process. Probably none of us have lost anyone because they got beheaded. And Jesus is taking some time away in solitude to process the death of his cousin. But this also indicates that things are going to begin to move, move rapidly. That it won't be long before Jesus himself, that his life comes to an end at the cross. And Jesus is trying to take that one moment just to process it, you know, kind of like, but kind of not like, that, you know, piece of steak, and there's that knock at the door. But suddenly Jesus is interrupted. Because the crowds of people from all the towns who heard that Jesus was in the area have now all come and surrounded him. And how does Jesus respond? Oh, come on! No, that's how I respond. Now Jesus, he sees those gathering around and he has compassion. And he cures the sick. And the hurting. Now, this, this word compassion, you know, let's define the word compassion here. Compassion is a deep awareness of the suffering of another accompanied by the wish, the desire to relieve it. Jesus sees the hurting and the sick, and even though he, he himself 
was looking for a quiet moment to spend with his heavenly father to, to process you know, what had happened, what will be happening in the days and the weeks ahead. Compassion moves him. In fact, the Greek word compassion is kind of like your guts are moving, you know, churning inside. His heart, you know, was moved. And rather than seeing this as some obstacle to his plans, he sees it as a divine opportunity to show compassion, to show love, mercy, and grace. And Jesus, you know, as, as he speaks and as he tells stories, you know, that we call the parables, you know, we see him talking about this compassion that God has for humanity. And, the, and Jesus is not really you know, rolling out something brand new. We, we see this as we read the Psalms. We see, see this in other scriptures and events in the, what we call the Old Testament, God's compassion. But in the Gospels, we see this word show up a number of times. And here's a few, you know, examples of when this word compassion shows up. And as this word compassion shows up, it, is, it, is, it seems to us really never convenient. And if you've got some time you want, you can screenshot. I'm going to give you three examples here of this word compassion. You can look at it later today or this week. The first one is the bankrupt servant. I just want to call it something else. Usually we call this the unmerciful servant. But the bankrupt servant, this, this is a story of scripture that Jesus tells, a parable of this guy who owns his master, the king, a lot of money. And the king does the seemingly inconvenient thing, and he shows mercy. He has compassion on this guy who can never pay this enormous debt. And, of course, this servant then, you know, sees it as an inconvenient, and rather than reflecting the compassion he was given, goes to his fellow servant, grabs him by the neck, and says, hey, you owe me a few bucks. Pay me what you owe me. Compassion. Being moved to do something, to relieve someone's suffering, to step in and be a part of what they're going through. Another example of this word compassion is in that of the Good Samaritan, Luke 10, one that may be familiar to, to a lot of us. And you know, talk about, again, convenience and inconvenience. Several religious leaders, the ones you think would be the example of showing compassion, because they should reflect God's compassion, see that this guy who is beaten and bloody lying on the road as an inconvenience, as a step around him. And it's the Samaritan, culturally, ethnically, the one that would not be the hero of the story, who's the one that sees this man lying in the ground, not as an interruption, but as a divine opportunity to show compassion. Also in Luke's gospel, Luke 15, the, the wayward son, the prodigal son, the forgiving father, however you may title this parable, this teaching that Jesus has, you know, it could have easily been an inconvenience for the father to do what he did. By, you know, girding his loins, which means, you know, they wore ropes, much like folks, you know, in that part of the world still do today, and would have grabbed that up, exposed his naked little legs, which is, you know, an embarrassing thing to do in that culture at that time, and ran to his son and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance and squander that inheritance. But instead, embraces that inconvenience as an opportunity to show divine compassion and love. Interruptions happen in our lives, 
You know, and I think about the interruption that I had, you know, at the roundabout or the interruption as I was sitting down to that ribeye steak. I'm thinking, I'm going to buy myself a steak today and eat steak. I'm going to hide out so nobody knocks on my door. <laughs> that interruptions remind us that ultimately we are not in control. And I don't know about you. If, you, if we put a you know, spectrum here from completely carefree to control freak, you know, where you put yourself at. I, I mean, I think most of us like to think we're maybe a little more over here in the carefree world. But the honest truth is most of us are probably more control freaks than we like to admit. I'm more control freak than I like to admit. I can be carefree about some things, but there are some things I like to control. Like when I sit down to eat my delicious, mouth-watering, smoked ribeye steak without any disturbance. Yet God has a way at times of interrupting our lives. A number of times when we have been in, in Poland doing the work that we've done there, it's been like usually halfway through camp, and we build a relationship with the Polish staff that we're working with, playing this crazy card game late at night, and usually we're like, oh, it's time for bed. And this was James, I got a question. You know, that question is not like, hey, uh, you know, what's your favorite football team? It's usually some deeply profound life profound theological question that I'm like this is not convenient because for the next two hours we're going to talk and we're going to listen and we're going to share but what seems could have easily been an interruption to my plans to crawl into bed late at night became a divine opportunity to show compassion and love and God gives us those opportunities not that all interruptions are divinely planned I don't think God divinely planned that person to knock at my door just as I was about ready to take my first bite of steak. But it was an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to show love and care. I don't think God planned that after we got done playing this wild card game, halfway through the camp, we're all exhausted, that this person was going to say, all right, now that you're exhausted and ready to go to bed, I'm going to ask you this question. But there's examples of opportunities that God provides. And God provides each of us opportunities. As we live in relationship to one another, those who are closest to us, those in our homes, which sometimes become the greater frustrations of interruptions to our plans, to even those outside of our homes, outside of our, our normal relationships. Interruptions. Because we like to be in control. Interruptions because, you know, we don't want to be disturbed when maybe we want our own space. Yet opportunities to embrace God's plan. And ultimately, Jesus embraces God's plan as he goes to the cross. As he goes to the cross and he gives his life for you and for me, for the world, he embraces the plan that God has. To show compassion, to show love, to show grace in mercy. So the times that we do grumble and the times that we say, I am not going to show compassion. I am not going to show that person any grace, any love. But he also gives us his grace and love. And he forgives us. And he restores us. So interruptions, as we think how Jesus sees interruptions, interruptions are not obstacles to our plan. They are opportunities to embrace God's plan. Because when we show compassion, 
when we show grace and mercy and love to someone, whether it interrupts our plans or not. We are reflecting the grace, the mercy, and love, the compassion that our Savior has for us, that he has for you. A compassion that reflects the words that his cousin John said of him, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one that gave his life, that we'd have life in him and through him. So that us reflecting that love is not just being here today and checking the box because I was in worship, but it's us going into this new week and saying, how might I show that compassion and love? You know, here at Holy Savior, we say that we're about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So let's look at this. Growing in Jesus. We're going to grow in Jesus. We're going to grow and not seeing these interruptions as obstacles, but as opportunities to embrace God's plan. And we're going to share his love as we share compassion through our words, through our actions, through our gifts, through our willingness to allow someone or something to interrupt us, that we have the opportunity to show grace and love, the grace and love and compassion that Jesus has shown us yet again today. So a challenge for us as we go into this new month, this new week, this new almost fall season, and that challenge is this. How might you look for opportunities to reflect the compassion of the Savior? And maybe that is to someone in your house today, someone at work, at school. Maybe it's, it's someone that you interact with in the neighborhood. Maybe it's a complete stranger. Well, I can't guarantee it. I'm pretty certain that God will give you and me, he will give all of us opportunities in the interruptions of life to show his compassion and love and to live in his compassion and love for us in Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us as we grow in faith, as we grow in, in our understanding and our belief of who we are in Jesus and how his compassion and love for us shapes our understanding of ourselves, and our relationship with you, our God, and with all others. But Lord, we live out that compassion and love. Most of we pray that as we have those interruptions this week, this month, and every moment of our lives, you'd help us to see those, Lord, not as obstacles to our plans, but as opportunities to embrace the plan of our God, our compassionate and loving God. We pray this, Jesus, in your name.